The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. And joining us for round one this morning, Kevin Wong, the Member of Parliament for Spadina, Fort York. Amanda Galbraith, Principal at Navigator and host of Free for All Friday. So you know, Amanda, how much trouble I'm in for being <laughs> not one. I, I blame it actually on Shelly Carroll, who's also here, because she was sitting here with me. We were having a fascinating discussion about cities, and I was distracted and Nick's, you know, waving his arms and jumping up and down. and But you know all about that, Amanda. It's hostage to the <laughs> clock. I do. I used to poke you to get you to stop talking. <laughs> oh, whoa. Now I'm here. I see. Okay. Yeah, you know what, Amanda? You've got Nick applauding back there as if he's blameless on this. It's my talking that's responsible for this. Okay. Well, we know where you stand this morning. Anyway, we'll deal with you accordingly. Uh, so, uh, Kevin Wong, Amanda Galbraith, and Shelley Carroll, welcome to you all. Let's start with this um, this terrible incident that's happened in North York. And I've been saying this morning, and we've had a really forthright and, and, and I think articulate, excellent statements from Staff Superintendent Pauline Gray of the Toronto Police saying this represents a tipping point, this incident where there's been uh, an arson uh, and graffiti uh, that has all the makings of a hate crime in North York and that we really have to say no uh, to this. Uh, I'll start with you, Shelley, because you're part of the city government and the mayor has been very forceful in speaking up about this as I was when I was mayor. It's so important in this city being diverse as it is. Absolutely. And and you, you see the messaging coming coming out from, from first the Toronto Police Service and then from the mayor's office so quickly because we were watching the reaction to this and people, you know, people were talking about this as if it was a protest. This is not protest. This is crime. And we had to make that very, very clear given some of the comments we were seeing out there in the community. Make no mistake, this is a very, very serious crime. Some, some would call this local terrorism. Uh, you know, we're talking about a, a caterer, a local caterer. He certainly, you know, he doesn't have the cell phone of any world leaders. He's not going to solve the world's problems. This is a serious crime. And so we don't want to see commentary that, that minimizes it in any way. We're, we're simply launching a full investigation and people will be uh, uh, brought to the justice system. Kevin, uh, you know, I said earlier on that I used to say all the time when these kinds of incidents, whether they were anti-Semitic or Islamophobic or uh, anti-black racism, you have to stand up, anti-Asian racism, you have to stand up, you have to speak up, you have to show up and you have to act. And I think that's what we're seeing in the early stages from the police on this and many other incidents that are happening as a byproduct and part of the, uh, the conflict going on in the Middle East. But it is important for people to be speaking up, including people like yourselves uh, that are in public office. That's right, John. Every incident of hate left unanswered emboldens those who would commit such heinous acts. And we're, we're seeing that dangerous escalation of violence. So I'm glad. I'm glad the mayor has finally did the absolute bare minimum yesterday and issued a statement condemning the firebombing and vandalism of yet another Jewish-owned business. But it ch doesn't change the fact that the mayor has been MIA for the last six, six weeks. Her last statement was in November, even though December saw unprecedented, and let's call them what they are, terror rallies, where we saw death threats, Torontonians harassed on private property, and the obvious anti-Semitic protests at Avenue Road and Highway 401, which is a major intersection targeted because it connects Jewish neighborhoods, Jewish schools, and synagogues. And, and I know we heard earlier from, from Mark Mendelson that he's never before seen Toronto in a state where one community has been targeted and so afraid. So I hope the mayor's finally woken up to the threat that the violence we're seeing spill out onto our streets needs leadership and action. John, I'll say for the federal government's part, Public Safety Minister Dominic LeBlanc 
should make federal resources and support available to help Toronto police in their investigations so they can quickly identify the people behind this horrific act of anti-Semitism and hate. You must find them, arrest them, and prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Uh, Kevin, I think the, the feds have made some additional resources over the long term, not on this particular incident, available to help with these kinds of uh, incidents across Canada. Amanda, uh, I think it sounds sometimes like people get, you know, sort of overly wound up about this. But I think as uh, Staff Superintendent Gray said so well this morning, you can reach a tipping point on these things where if you sort of shrug your shoulders in any way, shape or form, it's something that involves a fire that could have been fatal to people uh, and, and acts like that, that you, as, as Shelley correctly said, is criminal behavior, that that's when you are at a tipping point where everybody thinks then, fine, they can go around and start doing these things, not just against members of the Jewish community, but every community. Yeah, I, I candidly think we're past the tipping point. I think when people feel that it's appropriate to uh, target a Jewish business, to firebomb a Jewish business, um, we're, we're way past it. And I think part of that has been, candidly, the permissive atmosphere where it's it's considered protest. And I, I understand, you know, the police are doing the best that they can to balance things. I do. I absolutely recognize that. But I think we as leaders, and I, I say that all of us elected and non, need to do a better job of calling out anti-Semitism. Targeting Jewish businesses for being Jewish is anti-Semitism. Targeting Jewish neighborhoods for being Jewish is anti-Semitism. And, and what that leads to is the Holocaust. Like, it's not this is the killing of Jewish people for being Jewish. If this was any other community in this city, if this was we're targeting black neighborhoods for being black or Asian neighborhoods for being Asian, this would be we'd be screaming from the rafters. And for whatever reason, the permissiveness or the okay because of a war happening in the Middle East, which, by the way, was started by Hamas terrorists who yesterday, the youngest hostage who was abducted at nine months old turned one. He's still in he's either dead or he's in, he's still a hostage, which is wild to me. So I just I don't have a lot of I think this is horrible. And I think we're way past that tipping point And we all need to do a better job calling this stuff out. All right. Well, on that note, we will move on to other kinds of crime because that's hate crime we were talking about. Uh, last year, the crime stats for the city of Toronto showed uh, good news, much lower levels of gun violence, which I think has been an evolutionary thing as we've invested in neighborhood policing and so on, but more stabbings and certainly more car thefts and more carjackings. Uh, Kevin, you represent a downtown, uh, you know, constituency uh, and, and, and crime by no means is confined to downtown, but do you notice some of the changing patterns of the crime uh, as you sort of hear from your constituents about what's going on in the downtown uh, Spadina area? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think if you speak to Torontonians and, and frankly, walk the streets yourselves as, as I do, what, what most people will tell you is that they don't feel as safe in our city. And, and the police crime numbers kind of back that up with a record almost 25,000 assaults last year. Um, and But those are citywide. So if you zoom in to, to some of the neighborhoods I represent, like Niagara or, or even in Leslieville, for example, who host the, the drug injection sites, the Torontonians that live in those neighborhoods will tell you that crime is out of control. There are, are break-ins, there are assaults, um, there, there's so much going on, and they're worried about the state of our city, and they're asking the city for leadership and help to keep our community safe. Shelley, um, you know, I would argue, and, and you're quite welcome to disagree, but, you know, you were on the council when I was there, that we did make some quite modest, actually, investments in police as opposed to cutting it back. And I think if you put it into things as we did, like neighborhood policing and things like that, it, it actually pays some dividends in terms of uh, seeing some of that level of, of gun activity, for example, which was a real problem right. three or four years ago, start to diminish. And investments in community groups, too, in the, that side of things where we had, uh, I think it's called safety -O 
to invest in neighborhoods. And I think maybe we're now seeing some of the benefits of that, not that there's any reason for complacency. Right. You can't be complacent. And you do have to keep you, you do have to keep hitting it on all fronts. And so we have to continue to invest in 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 the underlying causes because you, in the changing nature of crime, what you see here is a lot of crimes of desperation. And so that's where you, you see assaults and stabbings and and that's why you gotta keep going at those underlying causes and, and, and root causes. But we also need to make the kinds of investment in policing uh, that uh, that really look at targeting what that nature of crime is. The thing that we need to we need people to understand citywide is car theft, car theft, car theft. That one is is as this report points out, um, that's changing as well. It's not just grab your car in the shopping mall anymore. Carjackings are on a rise um, because we're we're struggling right now, and this is a national problem. It was recently covered nationally because we're now at a point where our cars are just too attractive and there's too much of a market for them elsewhere in the world. And, you know, we, we solved the car theft problem when I had just become a counselor uh, with, with key fobs. Now the fobs themselves are the problem, and for a while you could hack through the front door and and uh, with a machine and and pick up the imprint and then drive the car away without even having the fob. Now you need the fob, and so you see the carjackings because they can't copy them. So police are doing two things: they're working to find those car theft rings, who's doing this importing and exporting, but also working with car manufacturers because we need to get to the next level where people are secure in a late model new car. And to back Shelley up on the concern about this under these stats, and then we'll move on, and you won't get a, con- a chance on this one, Amanda, the car thefts are at a two-decade high. Yeah. So it's really uh, something that is uh, very, very noteworthy. Amanda, can I move you on to a different topic, which is, you know, bad news, more photo radar is coming, uh, but the good news is that it, that hopefully will enhance road safety without utilizing expensive, highly trained police officers, and there's going to be kind of an easier way uh, to pay the fine, but without uh, getting the court hearing that maybe you've somehow valued before. Yeah, I'm all for photo radar. I actually think it it, it makes sense. Um, you know, candidly having cops sitting in cars doing ra- just seems like a waste of resources to me, especially and also when these are posted, right? Like they're a deterrent. So I think actually having photo radar, posting that there is photo radar there um, makes a lot of sense, particularly around school zones and community safety zones. So like two thumbs up for me. I said, have at it. We should have them all over the city. Are you okay with that, Kevin? Yeah, I, I am. It, obviously, it never feels great as a driver to receive a ticket. And thus far, I'm lucky, knock on wood, to have yet to receive one. But I think we're long overdue to bring a 21st century technology to our city. Uh, and like Amanda said, which hopefully should help to unlock scarce police resources to focus on the things that they're highly trained for to keep our city safe. And if people have their foot too heavily on the pedal, uh, Shelley, you do get a bit of benefit. It's not the prime reason, but you get a little bit of money out of that to put to, frankly, more road safety and stuff like that, very briefly. Absolutely. And we can move to this new alternative dispute resolution system because people tend not to argue. When you get a picture of yourself committing the crime in the mail, um, I'll admit to that. You know, when that thing arrives in the mail, um, first of all, there's a furious looking through our phones. Okay, who was in this car on that night? Who did this? Because now it can be me, it could be my husband, or it could even be my grandson. And so the three of us are who committed this crime. But what it's saying is there's there's no free pass anymore. So I don't care if it's 3 in the morning or 10 at night or, or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Drive the speed limit. Just exactly. drive the speed limit Fairly and never simple. worry. Fairly simple. Shelley Carroll, Kevin Wong, Amanda Galbraith, thank you all very much. 
Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.